Welcome to CT Church Podcast, where we exist to know Jesus and make him known. How many of you excited for Christmas? I'm not coming over to your house for Christmas. Come on, how many of you excited for Christmas? Yeah, it's a great time of year. Now, I have to find out my people. Remember, um, all of you are my people, but sometimes we find out a little bit more about each other and, and whose house I'd want to hang out with. You know, my things, dark chocolate and so on. So let's, let's find out uh, who is a, a true Christmas fan, okay? How many of you unapologetically drink eggnog? Yeah, oh my, God. there you go, wow, I know, that's impressive. Okay, now this, this next one, um, I, I, I've tried just a little bit of it, but I can't get into it. I can't do it. Uh, fruitcake, how many fruitcake? Okay, you guys are, yeah, the diehard people. Um, how about this one? This is, this is, I thought about this, the, the I don't know, I, I shouldn't say it like the, the grandmas get you this, but I feel like the assorted chocolate box, come on, how many of you love that box of chocolates? And then what about, what about like the truffle, the chocolate with the cherry in it? Raise those hands. Yeah, that's so good. I'm getting you guys hungry, aren't I? It's good. Okay, now here's, here's one, and I found this out. This is kind of fun. Um, we as a family, we would grow up, uh, as we grew up, we would do gifts on Christmas Eve, okay? We would open gifts at midnight. We'd come, my parents would come down after, after our service. They'd come down, wake us up. How many of you are with me? With me. You've done that before, okay. Now, apparently, I, I didn't know why we did this because to me it didn't really make sense. I mean, we were all tired. And then I found out, at least for our family, it's a Norwegian tradition, okay? That's what they do in Norway, and it's not Santa, he doesn't come down a chimney. He just visits at the door. It's much more polite. He's not breaking in. <laughs> not going to creep out the children. Um, and so he, but he's just a gnome. He's not, I guess he's not a big guy. He's just a little guy, but he brings gifts. And, and I have to tell you this. Um, I found out another tradition. And I just, I, don't you love tradition? How many of you just love tradition? Okay. Uh, and I, I, the older I get, the more I appreciate those who have come before me. Uh, but here's a tradition I did not know. Uh, apparently, when Norway was uh, Christianized, when Christianity came over, um, they used to celebrate, um, you know, the pagan gods, and then it shifted. And apparently, apparently, about a thousand years after Christ, you were required by law, by law, to brew your own beer for Christmas. You would brew your own beer and you would drink on behalf of Mother Mary and baby Jesus. And check this out. If you didn't do it, you owed the priest money. Okay? So if you didn't brew beer, you owed the priest money. And if you didn't do it for three consecutive years, the priest and the king had legal right to half or not to half to all of your property. Aren't you glad that some of those traditions died, everyone? And you wonder why religion gets a bad name, right? <laughs> I just think that is so funny. Well, I, I love Christmas because I think the, the story of the birth of Christ is one of, is the best, really, Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, the last few weeks, I hope that you've been able to be here or watch online because we've just been looking at the book of Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and we've been looking at a story. Now, how many of you love stories, right? I, I think all human beings love stories. We are story 
storytellers. In fact, if you don't feel like you're good at storytelling, um, it would be good to try to examine the way that you communicate with other people. And if they start dozing off or looking elsewhere, your stories are just too long. We connect with stories. I want to prove this to you. Um, I want to show you a picture. So go ahead and put that up, Brandon. Here's a picture. Now, some of you may know what this picture represents or, or what this picture is from. But for some others of you, uh, you see that picture and you're like, what is it? You know, the top Instagram influencers, the, the, the top new trends of clothing. You know, we don't know, right? There's really, there's really no connection to that picture because we don't know the story of that picture, do we? And so um, I want to tell you the story behind this picture. Um, there is a young man. He's not, he's not in it, but he's connected to this picture. There's a young man who was sharing about this experience that he had. And September 11th, his dad went off to the World Trade Center and never came home. And he talks about when he was in school, realizing that his dad would never be there, but he'd constantly look at the door, hoping that sooner than later he would just appear. And so what this picture is, go ahead and show the next picture. What this picture is, is these are all of the kids who came after September 11th. They were born, and they never got to meet their mom or dad. Now, isn't that interesting how it changes your perspective? Go back to that last picture, would you, Brandon? Now, all of a sudden, if you met these people, you'd want to talk with them, wouldn't you? You'd want to hear their stories. you want to hear what it's like to, to grow up without one of your uh, parents. Something in us connects because now we know a little bit more of the story. And I love this because in Scripture, we look at a a number of stories, but it's not just a, a random compilation of all of these random stories, right? There is a divine thread throughout Scripture. We can follow this divine thread and realize that God is in the story. God is in the story of Scripture, but he's also, how many of you know this, he's also in your story. And your story, here's the beauty of it, your story is intertwined in God's grand design. He has a plan for your life, and I don't ever want you to come and think that your story doesn't matter. Because I think that there's this temptation in all of us as we go through life to wonder, does my story really matter? I I know know that we're uh, in a spiritual place, we're in church, and that we understand on a basic level that our story matters. That we were designed in our mother's womb from God. He wove us together. This is, this is significant, but every once in a while, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, I want, or I wonder, does my story really matter? And so I want to look at one story, and we're going to follow again through Isaiah this, this divine thread that goes from all the Genesis, really all the way through Revelation. But we're going to look at Isaiah and then up to a young man who I think, if you look at his story, if you try to connect with it, I think he could have thought, man, my story is jacked up, is getting messier, and is falling apart. Does my story really matter? And this is the story of Joseph. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to have it up on the screen here for you. 
We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 18 through 21. Matthew 1, verse 18 through 21. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just or righteous man, that's going to be important, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, pause. Everybody stop. Don't read anymore. I know you know what comes up next, but I want you just to think about being Joseph in this situation. I want you to get into his mind, into his heart. How was he feeling? What was going on in his life? What questions did he have? Do you think he had any questions? I I think he would have had a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Let's get into it. First of all, I want to just look at, uh, if I were to put myself in Joseph's shoes, okay? So I I understand. I'm not trying to take liberty on the word. But just imagine that you are Joseph, okay? I want you to think about what would have it been like. Now, when I was a young man, probably a teenager, um, I remember I'm, I'm at this revival, how many of you remember the old, old awesome revivals, right? And we actually did it in a barn. Like there was barn revivals happening. And so I remember I was struggling with something. And so I went up and I got, got prayed over. And the gentleman, he prayed. Uh, his name was Henry. He was an evangelist, amazing guy. He prayed over me. And he prayed about the struggle that I was having. And then he, he said something like, I don't remember exactly, but there's greatness ahead of you. Or God's got great things in store for you. How many of you have ever received any kind of prayer like that? Anybody? This, this side? There's great things ahead of you, everybody, okay? We love you too, right? So now, here's, here's what's interesting to me. Now, again, this is my experience. You might be like, no, I don't understand what you're talking about. But I would say that the, the Christian narrative, the story in the church, is how God takes the weak things and makes them strong. He takes the underdog, the the David versus Goliath, and God's going to use you in ways that you could never imagine, and there are great things ahead of you. Would you say that that's a lot of the message in the church? And and it's a good message. It's it's, In many ways, it's the right message, but I also feel like um, the American culture has influenced it a little bit. Because have you ever noticed, like when that gentleman prayed over me, it was a great prayer, but I didn't know what great was. You know what I mean? And and so by praying that over me, he left it up to me to decide what greatness was. And and sometimes when somebody speaks that over you, uh, you feel some pressure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You feel pressure to do something. You see, it's one thing, again, to have nothing and to make something of yourself. That inspires us, right? That's like, wow. But what about this? What about when you have something and make nothing of yourself? Come on, somebody. Like, I I am blessed. Like, I grew up in, in a remarkable home. My parents took care of me. There's a lot of challenges that you have faced that I didn't have to face. Yes, I had my own journey, But when that was prayed over me, I had to start to ask the Lord, what is greatness? Like, like is greatness when this room is full? Is greatness when we go to three services? Is greatness how good of a preacher I am? 
is greatness about my family, about my house? Suddenly we're, we're striving for this idea of greatness. And I would say that many people in the church are disappointed with their lives. Ooh, come on, somebody. I've talked to, like they're disappointed how their life is turning out. They thought more was going to happen. They thought God was going to use them in a mightier way. And so now I look at Joseph and I wonder if Joseph had these same thoughts. Maybe not, but I think I would have. Because here's what Joseph knows. There is royal blood flowing through his veins. Matthew goes into the genealogy. That word actually means the beginning. The beginning, which is so cool with Jesus. But the genealogy of Joseph, where Jesus came from. And Joseph is from the line of people like King David. Joseph is from the line of people like Solomon, Hezekiah. These are in his bloodline. There's royal blood flowing through his body. And I wonder, now that he's found out his wife is pregnant with, by the Holy Spirit, if his story's not as epic as he was hoping. Now, I may not be speaking to all of you, but I'm speaking to me and a few of you. I think about the, sometimes, again, the things that are prayed over us. And again, I'm not trying to say don't pray greatness over your children or over people. But I, I wrote this down, at least for my own life, this makes sense. The promise of greatness without, without the grounding of Scripture can, produ can produce sorry, discontentment and discouragement. I, I got this picture of a kite. And if somebody gave you that kite and they said, this thing's going to soar. It's going to fly. It's going to be amazing. And you went out there, and it was a super windy day, and you flew, you, you threw that kite up into the air. How many of you know that kite would move, but it would not soar? It needs to be anchored. And what makes Joseph's story great, not to oversimplify, but is Jesus. Come on, can I get an amen? What makes your story great is the God that you serve. It is Jesus. Be careful. Be careful, this striving for greatness. We have such a culture that is hungry for the praise of man. God's in your story. God's going to elevate you when your time is right. And it may not look like you think it should. But your story is made great because of Jesus in your life. So he's probably working through some disappointment. The second thing is unfair and embarrassed. He was a just or a righteous man, and look at what reward he got. Anybody ever feel that way? You're the righteous person at work. You work really hard compared to everybody else. And then somebody who has no fear of God, who doesn't care, gets that raise or that bonus. Am I speaking to anybody here? And it just doesn't always seem fair. How many of you are honest with me? Life doesn't always feel fair. Raise those hands. Yeah. It doesn't always feel fair, and here Joseph is, a righteous man. God acknowledges this. He's a righteous man, and now he's looking at his life. He's looking at the plans that he had for his life, and he's like, well, this is all falling apart. Now I'm going to have to divorce her because she's pregnant. And, and this is it's interesting because a Jewish wedding is different than what we currently have today in our American society. A Jewish wedding was really a two-step process. First of all, they would have had, their, uh, Joseph's parents would have basically hooked him up with Mary, 
And then they would have had a celebration where they were legally married. They are legally married, but there was no physical intimacy between them. So they're legally married, so they would have celebrated that. They would have been excited about that. There would have been a party. And now Joseph is thinking, I've got to go tell everybody. I've got to go tell everybody that this isn't going to work out. I'm going to have to divorce her quietly, and then I'm going to have to go explain myself. When my uh, sister, my, one of my sisters, um, she was engaged in high school. She was engaged to a man, and you know, it wasn't long before um, they were married. It was, a, I think it was just a few weeks. I remember my sister was out there picking apples, and the, she felt like the Lord told her this was not the man that she was supposed to marry. And so she had to go on that journey, and I got to watch that play out where she had to talk to people. She had to live with those memories. How many of you know that Joseph probably didn't sleep great for a few weeks? Because the third thing that I feel Joseph would have experienced was rejection. Rejection. I mean, let's be real in church. Joseph, we don't know a lot of the details in between what took place. But Joseph is seeing Mary. Somehow he's coming up with, hey, you know, that midsection's growing a little bit. Now, a wise man says absolutely nothing. Can I get an amen, men and women? I don't care how big they are. You don't ever say anything. Never. I've been on, on two events where two men said something. I was like, I am not touching it. Like, you can go down with that one. But here, I mean, reality, right? He sees Mary and he's like, oh, oh, you know, that, that skirt's a little tighter, and, um, you know, maybe she's been eating a little bit more. And then, and then a few weeks later, she's a little bigger. Come on, you guys know what this would have been like. And so Joseph is probably trying to figure this out. And then sooner than later, he's like, no, nah, I know what's going on here. I know what's happened. And so Joseph is having to ask these questions. Why didn't she want me? Why wasn't she waiting for me? Why is this all playing out? God, why? Have you ever asked God why? Why is this happening? Why did Mary reject me? What's going on? And here's, here's the deal. I love Mary. Don't you? I think that we can learn so much from Mary because an angel visits. Gabriel visits Mary and says, Mary, Mary, you're going to be pregnant. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. It's not going to be a man. And she's like, okay. Now notice what she doesn't do. I need to make sure to defend myself when people start judging me or saying things. I need to make sure that I go out there and I need to, I need to let everybody know. When, I need to go tell Joseph immediately. I need, to do so, I need to get on Instagram and let people know. On Facebook, I need to let people, I need to defend myself. But Mary has such peace in God's plan that she's like, if he can give me a child without a man, he can take care of the rest and the explaining. I think we would all do better if we let God do the work for us instead of trying to defend ourselves. When God plants a seed of promise in you, just be careful who you share it with. And you don't need to defend it if God's put it there. Allow that thing to grow and just be like, God put it in my life. God put it in my heart. He's going to make it happen. He's going to make see this thing through. So Mary does this, and Joseph, again, is remarkable because even then, here's what it says. Here's what Scripture tells us. 
He was minded to put her away secretly. Now, what that means is, because he's a just or a righteous man, he had decided He had decided this is the best course. This is what I need to do. This is not something where he's thinking about how should I deal with this. He has decided that he needs to separate from her. Where's God? Like why didn't God intervene before that? How many of you would have rather God intervened before that? (laughs) And so he's decided and here's what I think is just challenging and remarkable at the same time. God knew all of this. And God was okay with the tension. God was okay with the questions. God was okay with how uncomfortable the situation had become because God knew he had a plan in all of it. And so maybe your life right now, you're like, I've got questions. I've got challenges. I've got, I I don't know what's going on in my life. I want you to know just from this story that God's got a plan because there's a divine thread and you're a part of it. You're a part of it. Um, If the piano player wants to come on up. So here's what I, Here's what happens. Matthew chapter 1 verse 20. Thanks, Linnea. Matthew 1.20 says this. But while he thought about these things. So he had decided and then he's laying in bed and he's pondering. He's thinking about the decision. Come on, how many of you know this is just good stuff? Like before we act, we should probably think about what we decide or what we do. Like, these are just little nuggets that Mary and Joseph left for all of us. Like, this is all happening, and Joseph is laying in bed, and he's pondering because he's a righteous man. He's trying to think this through. He's trying to say, what is best? But here is the unfolding of God's divine plan. Are you ready for it? That was perfect, Linnea. Way to go. Man, she's on it. Watch this. Now, if you haven't been here the last two weeks, not shame on you, but bummer. Because, man, all, last week we talked about King Ahaz. Remember how wicked he was? And this is when Isaiah had prophesied. And then before that is when Isaiah has the vision. Holy, holy, holy. And then we have the stump and we have the branch from the stump. If you weren't here, I'm sorry. But, but watch this. But while he thought about these things. Now, gosh. God up in heaven. All this is going on. Joseph has all of this on his mind. And God's like, to the angel, it's time. Doesn't that give you chills? It's time to set this plan into motion. Something that I had decided from before time began. Before Adam, before Eve, before sin, before Abraham, before Moses. He had this plan and now he's told the angel, it's time. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Dreams are important, everybody. Saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. How many of you know a weight just lifted off his shoulders? I mean, if that was me, I would pop out of bed. I would text Laura all these kissy face emojis. I'm like, I'm so for you. How's baby doing? You look amazing. This is awesome. I'm excited because suddenly the light bulb came on and we saw God's hand in his story. 
Suddenly we're like, oh my goodness. And how many of you know that one day, whether it's on this earth or when you enter through the pearly gates, all of it's going to come together. And you're going to be like, what? What? God, God had me from the beginning through all my trials, tribulations, ups and downs. God was there. How many of you know God's awesome <laughs> and that he's in your story? Now here's again where it just is so remarkable. Matthew 1.22 says this. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled. Somebody say fulfilled. Okay, say it with conviction. Fulfilled. Which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Who's the prophet, everyone? Isaiah. 700 years before, whilst Isaiah is serving a wicked king. Which, by the way, you want to complicate things or make it just remarkable? That wicked king is the bloodline of Jesus. Ahaz. Yeah. Through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Somebody say Emmanuel. Which is translated God with us. 700 years before. Fulfilled. I love that. Like the angel's assignment was to see that what God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, through the Holy Spirit, was fulfilled. That's exactly what God wanted to happen. It's, it's Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall, and shall call his name Emmanuel. 700 years. How many, again, of you know God's got this? And he's got your story. And I just want you to, Find peace in the pain, in the questions, in these ups and in these down, that God's in it. God's got this. I think about what would have taken place this day. What would have taken place in heaven when the angel came in a dream to Joseph and Mary? Think about all of those remarkable people who went before us. Abraham looking over. Sarah Moses, Tamar, Ruth, Boaz, David, Bathsheba, Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha, Hezekiah, Zechariah, Anna, John, and, and it goes on. They're all looking to this moment. They're all looking to this moment. First Peter 1.10 says this, this salvation was something even the prophets, Isaiah, even the prophets wanted to know a bit more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, woo, but for you. Come on, that's an amen moment right there. But for you, fulfilled, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached him the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful. Would you stand with me? I love this. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Now, my, my grandmother, who's in her 90s, one of the words that she would use all of the time is wonderful. Somebody you say wonderful. She always say, oh, that's wonderful with that Minnesota accent. And I just wanna, I wanna remind you that your, I'm gonna read this, your story is wonderful. The story of creation is wonderful. 
The story of Abraham and Sarah is. The story of Moses is. The story of David. The story of Jesus' birth. The story of Jesus' ministry. The story of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection is. Come on. The story of the church. Your story is wonderful. It really is. And I want you to see that God really does have this. And that divine thread that started way back in Genesis is still happening today. And I hope that you are filled up with faith, encouragement, peace, and joy as you go forward. Because I know that God has wonderful things ahead of us. Does anybody else agree with that? He's got wonderful things. I want to do this to close. Uh, Next year, you know how we always are praying, uh, saying, God, what is our word for that year? What is the phrase or what are you trying to tell us? And this year it was get your your hopes up. And and we don't want to abandon that. How many of you want to get your hopes up going into the new year? I know. Come on, we want to get our hopes up. And then the year before that, was community and relationships to kind of come together. And I'm going to share on this uh, in, in January 1st, which by the way, these doors are open and I hope to see you there. What a better way to start the new year than in church on the 1st. And so we're going to kick it off with the series, but it's the word that I feel like the Lord has given me. And in the book of Acts, before Jesus ascended, so all of this is being fulfilled, before Jesus ascended, he told them to go up into the upper room. And so what I saw there is this progression that God's been leading us on, and they gathered together, so there's the community. They gathered together, and they were full of expectation. They were waiting for what God was going to do. So in some ways, they had their hopes up. And then all of a sudden, what fell on them was the Holy Spirit. It came in like a fresh wind, and that's what it is right there. Church, next year, we are going to press in. We are going to believe for a fresh wind. That's what we're going for. And, yeah, it's exciting to me because it's a part of your story. And here's the picture that I got. Um, It's not like a, a renewal Okay, it's not like something that was alive and is currently asleep or even dead. That's not what it is. It's something in your heart or in your life that is, it's never experienced the breath of God. It's never experienced the life of Jesus. And it's going to be fresh. It's going to be new. In fact, one of our band members said, uh, because I told them, they said, "I, I had this picture of, or the smell of peppermint. I'm like, that's it. That's it. It's like this new feel, and it's going to be experienced in our lives and in this church. So I'm excited because we're going to hit the ground running Christmas Eve and into the new year. And how many of you are ready for a fresh wind? Come on. Fresh wind. And so I'm going to close this out with that. Don't forget Christmas Eve service. That is our Sunday service. It's happening at 4 o'clock. We're going to have violins. It's going to be a great time candlelight service. So be here. You can come early, a half hour early for hot chocolate and all the goodies. But let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, would you open up our eyes and open up our hearts to your plan. Lord, I thank you for the way that you move and work in our lives. Even when we don't see it, we know that you are working. And God, I thank you for Remarkable men and women 
that have gone before us. Thank you for Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, prophesying, being obedient to that vision that he received. And now so many years later, we can look back and say that it was fulfilled and we are walking in that. Lord, I thank you that everybody in here, their story really does matter. And we come against the lies of the enemy. We come against all of the things that the enemy says that they are a disappointment, that their life's a disappointment, that they're not measuring up. Lord Jesus, it's all about seeing you increase and we would decrease. So we look forward to this fresh wind and we are believing for it in Jesus' mighty name. If somebody agrees with me, would you shout amen? Amen, amen, hey! Thank you for listening to the CT Church Podcast. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram or our website at ChristTriumphant.org. We hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time.